We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall. Join us always by my co-host, John Ellis. John, what's up, bro? Hey, Billy, what's up, man? Uh, as we get ready for Christmas here and another big game coming up next week, looking forward to looking at what happened on Sunday against the Steelers, man. Interesting game. Yeah, for sure. Um, unfortunately, both of our predictions were off the mark yeah, this right. time around. Uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Not never going to be perfect. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was certainly a game where Pittsburgh established the tone and they did so by cop replicating the Carolina blueprint of just controlling the ball and uh, minimizing the amount of possessions the Carolina offense could have it uh, you know credit to them they came in there with that game plan they converted you know, a crazy amount of third downs I don't have the number in front of me um, I, I'll pull it up but that was some of here it is 12 of 16 on third downs. That is just remarkable consistency. Yeah, I yeah. and, I, and I think the, the most impressive thing about their third down conversions, um, it wasn't necessarily that they were just dropping back five, seven steps and just burning you. They did really well on first and second down to give themselves an opportunity on third and short. Again, that very similar approach by the Panthers uh, for what we saw them against the Seahawks. That was their approach. Uh, to do well in early downs, and they succeeded. Uh, you got to give Pittsburgh credit, but uh, we'll get into the issues offensively and defensively for Carolina, but uh, I, I certainly just believe that the amount of time and just the physicality that Pittsburgh played with really um, you know, didn't it left the Panthers with very little margin, and they couldn't overcome it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, they come into an environment where, you know, there's – uh, a, a big push for 
you know, some momentum and energy here in Carolina for the playoffs. And, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, it's a larger discussion, but it, you're never going to outlaw Steeler fans. <laughs> They're going to travel everywhere, Billy. We've seen it in Dallas. We've seen it uh, across the coast in San Francisco when they play over there um, in L.A. I mean, it's going to happen. So I thought, you know, for the crowd's sake, they did what they had to do. They came in. They they, they were effective in terms of trying to keep the energy up there. So that's just something I wanted to get out of the way. In terms of the team itself, I mean, look, give give Pittsburgh all the credit in the world. They came in. They deferred to the second half, which I thought was smart. Um, and, you know, they, they come right out. And, you know, their first drive starts with 12.54. They go 12 plays, 67 yards. Um, and they take it all the way down for a touchdown. And, you know, that's that's an exceptional way to start the game. You get a, a three-play drive and out for Carolina on offense to start the game. You get the ball back, and you drive it 67 yards. And it's, like you said, mostly just the same formula that – Steve Wilkes and, and Ben McAdoo have been relying on here offensively. It's just power running. And they they, they hit the edge a few times. I noticed in particular the uh, it seemed like one side of the defense was getting hit harder than the other um, early on. And we'll get into the, you know, kind of details of that later on. But they were definitely having success in the run game. They pushed the line of scrimmage. They reestablished the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that's the worst way to lose a game. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's – well, I should say probably the worst way to lose a game is Bill Belichick last night with what happened with Jacoby Myers. But that's a that's another story. Um, but but it's one of the worst ways to lose. You, you get demoralized in that type of environment. You're at home. And I've been to so many of these games, Billy, over 26 years of watching this team, you know, where you can tell early on, boy, this is going to be tough because they can play four-minute football all day long on you, and that's that's hard, man. And, you know, we've seen this with this defense against, like, Cleveland, against Washington last year and other teams where, boy, if they can start rolling downhill on you in the run game and you can limit the quarterback's exposure, and that's what they wanted to do with Trubisky, I'm sure, you're in for a pretty long day. So that was sort of my initial takeaway from what I saw on tape. Certainly. Uh, I want to start with the defense first because that was such a big talking point. Um, Offensively, we'll get into that in a second here, but um, this was a game where it's the second consecutive game, John, that the pass rush has just disappeared. And this is not a good Pittsburgh offensive line. Let's be very clear about that. Um, It's a very struggling offensive line. And when you have players like Brian Burns and Derek Brown and a some guys like Iodinus was coming into his own. You expect more out of them. And don't get me wrong, Mitch Trubisky is pretty mobile in his own right, but he was sitting back there, dropping back and just hitting Deontay Johnson. Like it seemed like, you know, Johnson had what, like 10 catches for like 90 yards. So it wasn't like he yeah. was, you know, breaking uh free in the secondary, 10 for 98. And then um, Pickens had, you know, the one long 38 yard catch. He only had two catches on the day. Um, but to me, John, 17 out of 22 for Mitch, 179 yards. So again, he was just operating very efficiently. This pass rush, it has to play better. This is not a Phil Snow defense anymore. Um, you're not going to be able to generate the uh, blitzes that Phil Snow would throw at you. Uh, right or wrong, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the schematics and if it's the right move or wrong move, that's not what I'm going to do here. Uh, but 
when you ha- again, when you have Burns and Derek Brown, you expect better from them. And this was a game that I really thought they would show up against a struggling Pittsburgh offensive line. And they just didn't really have a strong game. And we've seen this inconsistency from these guys uh, in the past. So I kind of want to get your thoughts just on the pass rush. But first. Yeah, I think it's hard, Billy, when you you get into a game like you, you do early on where you can, like I said, reestablish the line of scrimmage in the run game. And, you know, Wilkes will blitz. And, you know, that that does happen. But you're right. Phil Snow would throw a lot of stuff at you in terms of, you know, bringing safeties in the box and bringing them off the edge and then generating types of pressures that we, we don't see right now. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm like you on that, you know, until I do a little more thorough dive into the tape itself, I'm not going to be, you know, too strong with my take here. But I, I do think you've got to be better in terms of getting to the quarterback, getting to the spot. You want to consider yourself an elite unit. Um, you know, everybody, you know, Brian got a sack, but again, that was later in the game. And, and you know, credit to him. He's, he's on a nice pace this year for that. But the, the, the game book is showing two quarterback hits for the entire game um, for the team. Um, and that's just, that's not up to their standard, man. And, you know, Brown is, you know, he had a really strong start to the year and it's hard to sort of, you know, pinpoint everything on one guy. And I'm not going to do that, but you, you want to see more impact splash plays from a guy that's sort of emerging into that role and like you said, this Pittsburgh offensive line has been notoriously bad for a few years now. I mean, no- notoriously bad. And-, and they did their job in this game. They absolutely did their job. Give them credit. Carolina needed to do a better job of, you know, creating some chaos when Mitch had opportunities to sit back. I think part of the problem, too, I mean, you can look at the secondary and you understand that C.J. Henderson, who's been playing some decent ball lately, goes down early. And then they're they're out there with Keith Taylor and, you know, Again, I don't want to single anybody out. I thought, you know, that, that all I said yesterday was 28. Seems to be having a rough day. And that's a tough assignment. But once again, you know, you lose some experience on the boundary. And, you know, that's kind of what it can look like. Uh, that, that's exactly what it can look like. You talked about Deontay Johnson. I mean, a lot of it was just, you know, eight, 10-yard cushions. And then Mitch had all day to sit back and, and pick them apart. And, and you mentioned the Seattle game, too. Look, the big catalyst there was – getting off to that fast start. I mean, consistently throughout that game, Carolina did not generate the type of pressure on Geno Smith that they were on, say, Russell Wilson in that game or Mariota a couple weeks back. So, yeah, they got to pick it up. I mean, you know, they've got a a big one coming up here against Detroit. That offensive line is much improved. That entire offensive operation is much improved. I'm sure we'll get into that game later, but that won't fly against Detroit, I can tell you that. Yeah, we'll get into the offense here in a second. Um but yeah, the, one of the big talking points from us is how is this team going to respond when they do face a deficit? And again, we'll get into the specifics on what we saw offensively, uh, but l- let's focus on defense here for a couple more topics. Uh, number one, um, the secondary had a really strong, they, they had their struggles. I know a lot of people are, you know, have their, um, you know, torches out for Keith Taylor. Uh, I, I certainly still believe that he can be a quality rotational cornerback or even better. Um, this was a tough matchup for him. He did not have a great game, and it's unfortunate that he's kind of the uh, whipping boy for that performance. But it was a group effort. Let's just be clear about that. Keith Taylor was not the only person involved in uh, this debacle. Uh, so 
I, let me get your thoughts here on the defense and just what you thought about how they were able to respond after the Henderson injury. And um, let, let's just try to focus on the entire unit and not just Keith Taylor, I guess. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, Keith Taylor is not, you know, to me, the, the, the sole culprit by any means here. I mean, he's one piece of many who, you know, had a hard day. I mean, this is, you know, the one thing that Wilkes has continued to stress and talk about is winning at the point of attack, winning at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, when you get into December, man, that's when it gets a little more amplified in terms of how you handle yourself in the trenches, how you handle yourself in terms of pass rush, fitting the run, stopping the run, holding the edge on the run. Um, and then, you know, like we said, pass rush too, which was highly ineffective yesterday from, from all parties involved. Um, you know, later in the game, they got some stops and give them credit for that. But, you know, I, I think, you know, what you get kind of controlled like that by a Matt Canada offense, and he's been under a lot of scrutiny himself. That That's that's frustrating. And they wanted to, I think, stay away from J.C. Horn. I mean, they really did. They limited their exposure to Horn. They, they stayed away from his side of the field, it felt like. But, man, you know, look, you come out in the second half, and this is when you're supposed to, you know, go in, make some adjustments, get things squared away and, and they go 21 plays, Billy, 91 yards. And that was, I've after- never seen anything like that before. I've not, Actually, you know, I, have. <laughs> I have. Do you remember that game? The chiefs Panthers game back in like 2016. That's exactly what I thought about. Yep. And, but that was Carolina who did that drive and they missed a field goal. If you remember <laughs> <laughs> that, that was one of those great Rivera moments where they, they, <laughs> Rivera had some great moments, but that team also had some moments like that where they would go 20 plays and, and not score. I remember that vividly. That's what I thought about because you don't see 20 play drives in the NFL. You just don't. I mean, and that's what they did. And that's yeah. 12 give, minutes. That, that, again, John, that's the whole quarter. Yeah. Basically, your margin for error. Absolutely. And, you know, it, that's that to me defined the game. You, you get 14 7 is not out of reach. You know, you go into halftime, even though they deferred and you've got to kick off. You you get them in a position, Billy. They took over from the nine yard line on the kickoff. Yeah. You know, Pittsburgh gave Pittsburgh gave them some favors. You know, the, the, another thing I'd never seen before in my life was number twenty seven. Well, I mean, we'll dive into this side of the ball later. But oh yeah, that was well, hilarious. Yeah, just waltzing into Chris Tabor's huddle and just making himself at home on a fourth and twenty plus. I'm like Jesus. Th- these are two teams, obviously, that are not zoned in and focused on championship football right now it, it, the game got a little sloppy in that department on both sides especially Pittsburgh for a minute but yeah I, I think you know that really you can break down all day long you know hey dude, Keith Taylor gave up this play that play Keith Taylor was not the sole culprit by any means in this game and he certainly wasn't the key reason Carolina yielded a 21 play 91 yard 11 minute 43 second drive to come out of halftime. That that was that was the death knell right there. I know they made a run late. I know they they stayed in it, but it, it was pretty much over at that point. And that 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 just takes the air out of your your team emotionally. It takes the air out of the stadium. The Pittsburgh fans were in full throat. Like I said, that's going to happen everywhere on the road they play it seems like. But damn, buddy. That that was um that was very concerning, especially for a defensive staff that prides himself on not letting stuff like that ever happen. Run defense, I thought they played really well. The, the problem is that you know, Pittsburgh kept getting in these third and short situations and then they would convert. 
I know they gave up that reverse to Steven Sims, the receiver went like 22 yards, but Najee Harris, 24 carries, 86 yards. That's 3.6 a carry. I mean, if you told me that heading into this game, we would own the Panthers would hold Najee Harris at 3.6 yards a carry, I would take it. Jalen Warren, yeah. their backup running back, 11 carries for 38 yards, 3.45 yards a carry. This was not a an effective Pittsburgh run game from an efficiency standpoint. It was a Pittsburgh run game that took advantage of their third and short situations, and you have to give them credit for that. Um, Mitch Trubisky. One, one, team, one, one team lived in third and four and second and six, and the other team lived in third and eight and second and 11 all day. I mean, that's really what we're looking at here. Um, you know, Trubisky ran in a touchdown. Harris, Najee Harris ran in a touchdown, and Jalen Warren ran in a touchdown. Um, so, again, it, it this was uh, very similar to the Panthers' formula, their, their winning formula that we've seen the past month or so under Steve Wilkes. And it, it's unfortunate that, you know, the opposition kind of bullied them around a little bit. But, hey, I mean, what comes around goes around. Um, you know, and I think that another part that I'm kind of – underrating is again i don't want to make excuses but i think that the travel from the west coast back to the east coast it it can do a little bit on your body uh and you know pittsburgh they had a home game the previous week at home against baltimore it's a physical game Uh, but to me i think that traveling back and forth uh, might have just you know developed some sort of um yeah, maybe they just didn't have the same physicality as they did going heading into a buy and then traveling. But that's just my perspective. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know how much of a difference it would have made any either way. But um, I'm ready to go to the offense now, John. Uh, yeah, you start with the football. Um, you receive the opening kickoff, and it was a quick three and out. I mean, it wasn't ideal. Deontay Foreman minus one yard, Chuba Hubbard three yards. And then Darnold checks down to Hubbard, and then you punt the ball away on fourth down. Um, I, I think what was impressive was the response after Pittsburgh took the lead on their after their first drive. Thought Darnold looked pretty decent decent on that drive. He found DJ Moore for uh, twenty nine yards on two plays, and then um, you know it was a great catch by Terrace Marshall for forty yards. Uh, I thought Marshall had another really strong performance. Yeah, and then yeah. Donald rolled out and found DJ Moore on the little sideline there. So it was a pretty decent drive for Darnold. Uh, but yeah, that that's uh, the definition of a quick response. Uh, Pittsburgh chew up uh, almost seven minutes or over seven minutes on their first drive. And Carolina responded by going about a six minute drive. Um, so any thoughts there on that first half offensive performance? I think it became pretty apparent that their their best avenue after about 10 minutes of watching that game, that their best avenue for keeping pace was going to be trying to expose a little bit of what was going on in in the secondary for Pittsburgh. And, you know, I, I felt that Darnold responded well. Look, that drive you're talking about, that that was really impressive. And, and Sam hit to his credit. I think there have been fundamental improvements in his game from last year. And I'll I'll be the first to credit the offensive staff, including the OC, for for helping to make that happen because I, I think there's some things going on there that have improved. And the offensive line overall, even though you know there's some things we can look at in this game that weren't quite up to snuff, 
the offensive line as a whole has gotten better, especially on the interior. So there has been some availability in terms of pocket um, time to be able to sit down and, and make throws and make reads. But no, that drive you mentioned, I mean, they go 11 plays, 85 yards in six and a half minutes. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, get the drive started with the, the pass to Marshall. That was nice. Yeah. Um, but, but again, early down runs, I mean, first and 10 after that, they, they lose a yard on first down. They're back in second 11. Um, they run again on second 11, no gain. They're in third and 11. And then Moore gets a 14-yard gain. So, again, they're, they're gaining chunks in the passing game here. And I, I think you had posted some tape on, on Pittsburgh secondary and some things that had happened. Maybe it was somebody else. I don't know, but I thought it might have been you that posted some things in their secondary that, that kind of got mixed up at times in previous games. And it's not necessarily that. I just think, you know, DJ and Terrace did a good job of winning their matchups. And, and Sam did a good job of standing and delivering the football. But early down runs were hard to watch. I mean, they just – they could not – and this is what this team does. This is their identity. This is what their script looks like. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they want to be able to push the line of scrimmage early, and they weren't doing it. And, I mean, credit to Pittsburgh. They're, that front – and, Billy, you raised the point last week on the podcast. They they gave up over 200 yards, I think, rushing to Baltimore. But, man, that, you're accounting for an extra gap at that point in, in that That's game. Fun, with, yeah. with Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a completely different type of running game. Carolina's run game is just it's it's very elementary, Billy. It, you don't see a lot of wide zone, outside zone stuff. It's inside zone and it's duo. I mean, that's kind of what it is. So if you're not able to get that inside push and these guys can't find the creases like they did against what Seattle was, let's face it, Seattle was genuinely a bad run defense, and that showed up again later in the week against San Francisco. It, it's it's gonna be hard sledding. I think, you know, Tomlin. Give him credit, man. I mean, look, he's a good coach, and that entire staff on defense knows how to kind of tighten up in games that they need to win. And they're still fighting for a playoff berth. They're still fighting for a winning season. And and they sure did look like it up front in terms of stopping the run. That was it. I mean, look, Pittsburgh, you mentioned what they did in the running game. They were under four yards of carry, but they ran it 40-plus times. And they were able to establish a tempo, keep themselves in second and third and manageable, whereas you, you keep putting Sam Donald in third and eight, third and nine. He did a good job in this game, but eventually that well's going to run out. We know that. He's not Patrick Mahomes back there, and that's that's not sustainable. Yeah, and that's my thing with – hey, everyone has their opinion, and I'm free to um, adjust my own priors. But Sam Darnold is still Sam Darnold. Now, he's doing some good things. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. He doesn't have any turnovers as far as I'm, uh, as far as I'm aware. But yeah, he's not the type of quarterback that can eliminate third and long situations. Um, We've been very uh, effusive in our praise of this offensive line this year. Uh, They didn't have a good game either. And I think we have to mention that. Um, There was another throw by Darnold that he missed like a wide open Terrace Marshall. He just like completely underthrew him. Do you know what play I'm talking about? I think think it's jotting my memory now. Yep. Um, So that's just another missed opportunity for the passing offense. Um, and yeah, like you said, John, like it's just so tough in the, in this situation with this offense right now, um, because I, I still maintain like the offensive line is good enough, even in my opinion, better than my expectations. The receiving core outside of DJ Moore has been adequate. I wouldn't say they've been great, but they've been certainly adequate, especially with the emergence of Terrace Marshall now. Um, you know, the running backs, like we've said, they, they have their, they have their moments. I'll just leave it at that. But, 
overall, this wasn't a particularly strong game by the uh, Carolina uh, offense line and pass pro. Uh, after the long drive by Pittsburgh, the first drive of the second half, uh, you had a 45-yard reception to Chuba Hubbard, who did a really nice job just getting upfield. And that's an area of growth I've seen from Hubbard is his pass catching and just his ability to get upfield quickly. Uh, Blackshear did a good job of that against Seattle, but uh, it was good to see Hubbard do it. But then uh, on second and third down, Alex Heitzmith sacked Sam Darnold, and then you have Cameron Hayward beating Bradley Bozeman on the inside for uh, a sack. And those were just really ill-timed moments that doesn't really speak to the uh, true talent level of this offensive line uh, but those are drive killers fortunately like we said earlier the Pittsburgh uh, special teamer Marcus Allen uh, committed a 15-yard penalty and Carolina got the ball back and uh, they kind of just stalled in that moment um, they ended up kicking a short field goal but still in, in that situation you really were hoping for seven points to bring the deficit down from uh, 14 to 7 so yeah, I, I just kind of go and we'll get your thoughts here on the offensive line performance. Yeah, you know, I, I thought, you know, there there were some reps where, you know, you're going against Highsmith, who has been on fire this year. <clears throat> and that's a homecoming game for him. They showed his family in the stands. He's a good dude. And, he, you know, as a you know, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, I am, too. I mean, I was a big fan of him coming into that draft. I know you were, too. And he uh he he's got a high motor, man. He plays well in in situational football. And and TJ Watt, you know, although he's been banged up, he's always a problem. You know, Moten at times had had issues out there on the right side, and that's that's been you know something he struggled with. Aquanu also struggled um, at times too. The offensive line, I think, you know, anytime you come into a game where you you can't control the tempo up front, and you know from the very start, you're not getting the kind of creases and run lanes that you're hoping for. I mean, some of that's on the backs too. I get it, but you know, really essentially that it, it, it was just apparent early on that this was a step up in terms of class um, for Carolina in terms of what they face. And I think Denver's got a really good defense, but I think, you know, going back to that game, they're a little bit better on the back end than they are on the front end. Um, Pittsburgh, obviously with Hayward, with, you know, those guys, uh, there were guys all over the field making plays in the backfield Um so, I mean, I would just look at the offensive line right now without looking at the tape in detail because I haven't yet. Um, it wasn't their best moment. wasn't their best game. I think they've got a lot to build on from this. I just think the interior portion of the line has improved a little bit in terms of protection. I keep seeing that. But, you know, quanu has got his growing pains. And and Taylor Moten, once again, we just want to see a little more out of him, I think. Yeah, 100%. You're, you're expecting the veterans to really step up, whether it's Corbett – Bozeman or uh, like you said Taylor Moten uh, like uh, Iquano is just a, a work in progress in my opinion and I'm not going to try to dismiss his struggles because we've pointed it out uh, but we've also pointed out that when PFF was giving him all these high marks about you know not a- allowing pressures and sacks I, we right. mentioned it on this show you specifically that you just got to be careful with that because of how they're uh, operating their offense and again both of us are extremely high on Equanum going into next season, uh, but this was going to be a transition. And when you're going up against TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, these are two excellent edge rushers, even though Watt hasn't necessarily been the TJ Watt that um, 
you know, we're accustomed to seeing because of the injuries, he's still a very good edge rusher. And uh, like you said, just the interior of their defense really set the tone uh, as far as stopping the run. And I think that performance last week, uh, them conceding uh, 200 plus yards on the ground, really just uh, put a focus on stopping the run. And you, and you saw Mike Tomlin's unit, uh, Terrell Austin, their defensive coordinator, really try to shore up uh, those areas, uh, Bush and Jack, the linebackers for Pittsburgh, did a really good job of just uh, run fitting and being patient and not kind of just running into caps without any type of authority. Uh, right. But yeah, I, I think Pittsburgh deserves a lot of credit for how they played offensively. And, and Carolina, unfortunately, John is they have a they have an issue in offense, and we can give credit where credit is due for some of their performances, but. Um, until they figure out a solution at quarterback and upgrade the offensive play designer or play caller, um, this is just how they're going to have to operate. Yeah, Billy, I get back to what we said after the Rams game, um, and I keep bringing this theme up, and it's almost like this team, <clears throat> they're, they're, first of all, there are limitations. Look, anytime – you're you're an interim head coach and you're coming in and, and you're you're retaining some staff members that you didn't necessarily pick, but you're also making a few moves of your own. There's a shortage on the staff to a certain degree. And there are some roster limitations that still exist. I mean, the Foreman is a very good running back, but but once again, Foreman was a a backup in Tennessee. Foreman was a guy that not a lot of teams had interest in. So I think you have to manage your expectations here in terms of what to expect. You can't just line up against every team and run it 42 times for 190 yards. It's not going to be that way. This is not what this team is. Philadelphia has been able to establish that identity because they have that extra gap you got to defend with Hurts, and they made that their identity on offense late last season, and they have stuck to it, and that's what they run. That's the big difference between Philadelphia and like a Carolina when you see those stats that look similar at times. It's a completely different scheme. It's a completely different set of circumstances. And at any moment, Carolina can run into a game like they did at Baltimore, where they cannot run the ball. They cannot push it. Now, you know, did they give up on Foreman a little bit? He didn't have a lot of carries in this game. I mean, 10 for nine yards. There's not much you can. Not much you could. I think they're looking for a spark with Hubbard at that point. I mean, you're looking to get him in there to give you an extra gear. I get it. Um, But when you take away one thing, for Carolina, and I give Sam a lot of credit, you, you pretty much got him on offense, and that's the interior run. <laughs> you take that away and you limit it, they're not going to hit you on the outside zone because they don't try it a lot. And it's just gap control defense, making sure you fit in your lanes, fit in your gaps, and they did a hell of a job of that. And so I think it made it really easy. Like you said, Terrell Austin, who is still one of the better assistant coaches in the league, I think, should have a head coaching job at some point. And they got Flores on staff too. That's the thing, too. I mean, look, we get caught up in box scores and looking at how the team has trended. And you say, well, Pittsburgh, this is their record and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what if Pickett had started? How would it have been different? I just don't know. Because if Carolina can't fundamentally get into second and seven, second and five, third and two, third and three, that's not sustainable. So I think, you know, Pittsburgh knew that. They knew how to control that. They knew they had the guys up front to manage that. And Tomlin has been there for, what, two decades now almost. So it's like he understands, you know, there's a variety of different fronts and type of schemes you can play 
to limit. So they're not limited on defense at all in terms of ideas, and they certainly have no shortage of good minds in that defensive room, like you said, with Flores in the mix and Austin and Tomlin himself to, to know, okay, you know what, this is a team that, unlike Kansas City or unlike some of the elite teams in the league offensively, They've got DJ on the perimeter. He's very good. They've got Terrace, who's emerging. They've got a, a rotation of kind of slot gadget guys. And, you know, Chenault is what he is. And then that's a very limited thing you can do with him. So they, they know what to do in that situation, and they did it. And, and this is where good coaching comes into play. You know, they, they just they, – they, out, they outclassed him on defense. And they took away the one thing Carolina could not afford to have taken away from them, and that's a consistent running game. Um, so they're limited, Billy. Like we said, during the Rams week, it, it kind of in that game felt like <laughs> they were just trying to get the triple zeros. I don't think they're in that mentality, but that's the formula they play with. They want to take the air out of the ball, shorten the game, limit Darnold's exposure. To Sam's credit, you know, he did make some nice plays in the passing game, but he still missed a few too. But if Carolina can't run the ball with the type of, you know, discipline and efficiency they did against Denver and against Seattle, this is kind of what it's going to look like. And, and just follow up there, I, I 100% agree with you. And, and that's the sort of thing, like, those Chanel bubble screens, They it's just so predictable. They have to it stop. Is. They yeah. got to stop it. Like, and, and then Me and my son are watching that game, and every time they put him in that double orbit motion, I'm like, Andrew, this is a bubble <laughs> run option. It's He's either going to throw it to the bubble or he's going to hand it off inside. So you're limiting yourself in terms of – there's no diversion. There's no variations. There's no, you know, you don't have any sort of pump screen. There's nothing. There's no screens coming out of that in terms of the opposite side. There's no, this is the furthest thing, furthest thing you can see from like what Shanahan did to Seattle the other night. Um, so it was disappointing, but that's, that's where they're at, Bill. And like Chenault definitely has a role, but he's just very limited. And if you're only going to use him on those type of plays and, it's better to just line him up in the backfield and try to take some carries under center or something like just try to switch it up because if you're going to, it's so predictable. Uh, and then obviously you had the, there was that one third down. It was the first half where Chanel tried to run around. I don't know if he ran the right route or wrong route, but him and Donald seemed to have some type of miscommunication. It was a complete, and I was just surprised that they were targeting Chanel in that situation because he's, again, we have mentioned his limitations as a route runner. Uh, he's yeah. very good with the ball in his hands. He brings an element of physicality that um, that the team desires. But overall, he's still uh, probably at best your wide receiver four, wide receiver five. And uh, in those situations, if you're not going to get him going on those bubble screens, just line him up in the backfield and hand that off to him. Just as if he's a running back. Just try that because they're, you have to try something. Shot. I was going to say, their best shot in this game, I totally agree with you. I mean, look, the, the, he, Chenault is, a, is an impactful player with the ball in his hands, and it would have been nice to have seen more. Uh, it would be nice to, moving forward to see more variation in terms of how they use him just to get the ball in his hands, whether it's a jet, whether it's just lining him up like they used to with Curtis Samuel, let him take some touches on a wide zone. That'd be nice. But that's not my job. It's not yours either. Um, I'll say this, like the, the best plan of attack might have been in this game, honestly, to to have – I mean, this is living in an ideal world, of course, having a quarterback who has a faster internal clock, who can read the verticals faster, and to line up with, with some sense of better protection, even though there were some moments yesterday that weren't great. But even Wilkes said just now in his press conference that Sam missed some you know, reads and, and had some trouble getting the ball out quicker, especially on the deep ones. So I didn't know 
Yeah. So Wilkes has pointed out, look, it's a combination of things. So if you had the type of quarterback who could drop back and have a faster internal clock, even with this offensive line as is, I think you could have won this game by five, you know, seven, ten points. But that's not what they have right now. So that's the limitation. And that's where it's easy to come against. If you have the personnel defensively, which Pittsburgh does, you can clamp down early, eliminate what they do, get them behind the eight ball, stay ahead of the clock, stay ahead of the scoreboard. And that's what they did. And, you know, that, like I said, that drive coming out of halftime, that put the offense in a weird position. And they, they did some nice things to respond to that. But, you know, there was like a play call for, was it the, the third down inside the red zone where they called a quarterback draw to Sam? I mean, things like that that just, you know, I don't know, Bill. Yeah, hey, it is what it is. Um, you know, the play calling, I think, in some respects, I understand why they're doing it because of the limitations that the personnel around you has. Uh, but overall, it's just it's not what you see with the other good offenses in the league, whether it's Miami or San Fran or Detroit, even, um, you know, it, it, we just have to kind of expect the uh, turbulence uh, <laughs> this offense provides. Yeah. Um, we're, we're reacting in real time to Steve Wilkes's uh, press conference that he's having right now with the media. And one thing that stands out to me is, um, he says that they're going to put the pads on this week and try to get back to their physical mentality. I think that's what you have to do uh, when you are this team, but even more important when you're facing a team like the Detroit Lions who also uh, want to bring that physicality. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I think it's totally appropriate. Um, uh, they, they've got to be better in that department. I'm going to follow Steve Wilkes' mantra. And I'm not going to talk playoffs. Uh, I don't know if you're going to follow Coach Wilkes or if you're going to have your own um, <laughs> approach to this moving forward. I'm a, but... I'm a true sicko, as I've said on Twitter. So I'm always looking at the standings. And I thought it was interesting that you're in a division now where the best team, the class of the, the division, clearly talent-wise, is just I, – I don't I mean, my brother last night was saying, are they trying to tank? I mean, it's like Tampa. I don't know what the hell's going on down there, but – Obviously, this is the Panthers podcast, and look, Wilkes did say it appropriately. Look, until you can play better than they did yesterday, you you can't allow twenty one play drives and and expect to be you know talking playoffs. So we'll monitor it. I mean, I, at least I will. I mean, I'm always interested, and in, you know, hey, if they make a run at this point, I'm not too interested in draft position. I, I I'm out of that mode, and you know, hey, I want to see them play good football the last three weeks, starting with this one against Detroit. But yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here all week and break down playoff scenarios and who they would play if they won the division. They, they got to win. There's no guarantees they'll win another game at this point. They really are. The Saints could win this freaking division. It's at the point there. Nobody knows. I, There's historical precedents for this. That happened, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Billy, I'm just – I'm kind of where Steve is and you are. It's like, you know, I'll talk about it probably more than you will. But um, seriously, honestly, they, that, that performance yesterday raised some eyebrows in terms of, okay, this is where this team remains. And, I again – People get into this mode where let's hire Steve Wilkes right now. And then let's not do it right now. Let's just maybe just slow down on making definitive statements on Steve Wilkes, good or bad, because he's an interim head coach. You listed the interim head coaches before who have had limited success taking over teams to no fault of their own, because that's a tough position to be in. David Tepper will look into every opportunity to hire a head coach other than Steve Wilkes. I assure you that. And whether he does that or not, I have no idea. I have no intel on that. 
But I, for his sake, I'd like him to see him finish strong with this team, and it would be fun to see this team win out. But um, it's in front of them. Nothing's changed in terms of that, so we'll just see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Detroit's it, like fighting for their playoff lives too, so they're going to come in uh, to Charlotte with some extra motivation here to play. But I'll just say this. I, I think this is a game that they can uh, certainly rebound on offense. And look – Ben Johnson, talented offensive coordinator, uh, but I think if Carolina just sticks with their philosophy and just tries to really um, hone in on the fundamentals, I think this is a game where they can really have success on defense. I think this is a perfect opportunity for them. Uh, I, I do believe that you know playing consecutive road games, which is what Detroit will be doing, um, I think that does matter. And yes, I know it's a pretty short flight from Detroit to Charlotte. It's not like you're going from Charlotte to Seattle or anything crazy. Uh, but I think this is a very good opportunity for uh, this Panthers defense to respond. Um, but like I said, I, and I certainly don't have a very high opinion of Jared Goff. I, I um, didn't really have a high opinion of Trubisky either, but I, I put him in that same type of quarterback, Goff. And Mitch at least is mobile. Uh, Goff isn't. So yeah, this is going to be a tough game. It's on Christmas Eve, which is on a Saturday, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's a good opportunity for them to respond. Um, you know, the playoffs they are what they are at this point. Uh, just can only take it one game at a time, and uh, we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah, their defense I think is much improved. I think you know, especially in terms of stopping the run. Uh, what Detroit's done, you know, looking back at week 12, they gave up 164 yards to the Bills, but outside of that, and that's Josh Allen, too, once again, another mobile quarterback that that contributes there. Since week 11, 89 yards, 164, 95, 22, and 50 allowed in those games in terms of running stats, and, and that's, you know, just stats. It's not film. I haven't looked at it too deep here, but I get the impression that defense under Aaron Glenn has come a long way since week one and two because it was a sieve early on. And it was last year, too. Um, you've got some good pass rushing guys on that team. But I, I'm with you on golf. Look, I mean, it's been nice to see what Ben Johnson's done with that offense. I respect him a lot. And I respect that operation. And I think that offensive line has come a long way, too, with Sewell and those guys. But uh, golf, golf is limited. And if you, once again, you know, the formula for Carolina is very – there's a limited scope here, okay? You take away their run game early. Don't let them get the second and four, second and three via the run game. And you put a quarterback in a third and seven plus, that's a win. And then conversely on offense, if you do what you got to do to stay out of second and 11 and third and eight, that's ideal against Detroit because you can push them around a little bit in the run game. Still, um, they're better, but that, that's going to have to be it. You, you can't line Sam Donald back 45 times and let him throw. They're not going to try to do that by design. But uh, certainly, I think the West Coast travel for Carolina was a disadvantage for them last week, coming into this last game yesterday. And I think, you know, they're back home. It's a two-game homestand. They'll be energized. They'll be refocused. And uh, I, I think it's a little better matchup than people think. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I do think the matchup does um, have some advantages for Carolina. I, I would not pencil in as a as a loss by any stretch of the imagination. It's their last home game of the year, so they're going to be up for it. Um, looks like the weather just glancing here. I know it's six days away. looks like there's going to be significant wind 
on the East Coast, so that could certainly affect things because, again, Jared Goff is not the most impressive quarterback uh, oh, yeah. when he has to deal with the elements. And I, I watched that game yesterday against the Lions, or excuse me, against the Jets, and the Jets have a very talented defense, but Detroit only scored one offensive touchdown. Their other offense, their other touchdown came from a, a punt return by Khalif Raymond. Uh, so, again, this is a game that uh, Carolina has opportunity to uh, rebound in. So, I'd say a big chunk of their yardage, too, came on that fourth and one pass play, too. So, I mean, it, it, they obviously the Jets have a very good defense, but I'm with you, man. And you mentioned the elements, too. It's, it's down here in the Carolinas, they're calling for temperatures, highs in the 30s, lows in the teens, and, and a lot of wind next week. So, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. It's there have been some interesting Christmas Eve games over the years for Carolina. I remember one back in, in as Uncle John time, pull up a rocking chair. I was in the stands in 2005, and this is when they played the Cowboys. Parcells is next to last year coaching there. And this is the Drew Bledsoe game where he, you know, got the touchdown late. But this is when um, Ken Lucas and, and Peppers were both in there on that field goal block. And they claimed they tipped it, and the ref said no, and, and they got the roughing the kicker penalty that extended the – the drive and, and Dallas ended up winning the game. That was a Christmas Eve game. It was a great matchup. It was a physical game, but uh, Steve Smith was ejected from that game. So my, my point is Christmas Eve always brings interesting stuff and it's a short week and we'll see how, how Carolina responds in full pads this week by, uh, by way of Steve Wilkes today, according to him. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it, man. Yep. And again, it's on Saturday, December 24th. So uh, technically a short week. All right, everyone, that's going to be it for this episode. Just want to wish everyone a happy holidays, no matter where you are or uh, where you're celebrating. Have a safe uh, travels if you're into that. I am going to be traveling tomorrow, but for everyone else, uh, again, want to thank you guys for always continuing to support and listen to us. It means a lot. I know we don't thank you guys enough, but uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, this is just a platform for John and I to um, kind of vent and express our own feelings about the direction of this franchise. And uh, for all of you guys who listen, we really do appreciate it. Uh, but that's going to be it for tonight. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.